This is the Jeff Merrick Show on the Sportsnet Radio Network. Welcome back to the program. Um, lots to get to on today's program. By the way, the 1,188 is games, by the way, for Joe Pavelski. He's currently on 946. Can he get to 1,000 this season? Absolutely he can. He's playing on, as I just mentioned, one of the top lines in the NHL. As we bring in Elliot Friedman from Hockey Night in Canada and 32 Thoughts. Uh, hello, Friedge. How are you? It's raining outside. So, so are you going for your daily walk? Do you have an umbrella? I, are you adequately I am. I'm just, I'm, I'm just grabbing one out of the trunk, yes. Okay, very nice. Stay dry out there. Uh, so 13 games was supposed to be 14, but the Nashville-Colorado game got scrubbed or postponed. Oh, and yeah. here we are, you know, this is the, uh, the, the quarter mark of the season. So, you know, the, the one thing that I, that I admitted off the top was that um, I've done a really poor job of, of giving the Detroit Red Wings their due and giving the Detroit Red Wings their praises. Um, third in the Atlantic, you know, Vili Husso, like it's not the Ilya, it's not the Sorokin performance, but it's a shade below. Vili Husso has a save percentage of 922. Uh, yep. Red Wings right now are on a three-game winning streak. Um, Kubalik has played great. Um, Dylan Larkin has played Like We'll go right down the lineup. And you're seeing some command performances here from various Red Wings players. Um, I'm guilty of not giving them their due. Um, what do you think about the Red Wings so far, a quarter of the way in? Geez, talking about first world problems, if your biggest difficulty in life right now, Jeff, is you was not given the Detroit Red Wings their due. Well, I mean, how long, how long do you have? I can lay some more problems on you, but uh, I'll, I'll, I'll bore the audience. It will run out of time. <laughs> and not that they care anyway. Uh, look, like, True. right now, like, I'm not as big. Uh, I tend to look at the, um, the, the October 1st date or the you know, November 1st date as opposed to the Thanksgiving date. But, you know, you gave me another homework to, assignment today. Uh, look at, you know, what, what you consider the, the, the biggest story around the NHL right now. And I don't know if there's one overarching story. There's been a couple throughout the year. But I do think one of them, and David Amber was texting me about it, is that there's six teams right now on Thanksgiving in the playoffs that weren't there last year. Now, there's been a couple times this decade where it's been seven. And so that's big turnover, but it's not the biggest turnover. And I, I like Detroit obviously is one of them. I think that like the wildest thing about this season so far is the streakiness of some of these teams. You know, Detroit's had some good runs. They've had some bad nights, but the one thing I think about them is I think they're more consistent than they've, than they've been before. I, I'm just curious to see, do they have staying power? Like that to me is going to separate some of these teams from others is who's got the staying power. But clearly, Jeff, one of the things that Steve Eiserman said was we need more depth in our lineup. We need some more veterans in their lineup so that it allows them to have people in places where they can thrive. I don't think, I think in the past there have been some guys who've been asked to do a little bit too much. I don't see as much of that this year. And it helps that, that Larkin is having the kind of season that he's having. He's had, it's a contract year. And, you know, you talk about who – there's a lot of debate in baseball right now. Aaron Judge may have had the greatest contract year in the history of the sport, okay? Now, nobody in hockey is doing that, but you look at Bo Horvat, you look at Dylan Larkin, the pressure's on, 
for them to deliver in contract years, and and they're doing it. They are. And, you know, I was making the point off the top, you know, they're both sort of looking at each other and saying, okay, whichever deal gets done first, that's going to turn into my comparable right away. You see, for, for me, Elliot, and I'm, I'm curious where you land on this one. For me, the biggest story is which teams are starting to enter the Connor Bedard chat. Yeah. Like at the beginning of the season, we said, all right, you know, the Hawks are going to be there. The Coyotes are going to be there. They've actually outperformed based on what their expectations were. But listen, Anaheim's there. Ottawa's there. Um, the Blue Jackets, the Sharks, you know, these are all teams that are quarter of the way in. We're looking at and saying, you know, they're closer to Connor Bedard here than the playoffs. And we expect those trends to continue. Yeah. But then I wonder about a team like the Flyers. And I wonder about the team like, the Washington Capitals with all their injuries. I wonder about teams like the Vancouver Canucks. Anytime, you know, Connor Bedard is near a microphone in British Columbia, someone is asking him <laughs> about uh, his favorite team, the Vancouver Brand Canucks. To, to me, the big question is, what's that? Brand Heap yesterday, he asked him about it. Have you been watching the Canucks? And like, because yeah. see Bedard, he's like trying not to laugh. <laughs> he knows what's up. He knows what yeah, he's, he's very, he you know, you've got to be careful. Yeah, he's got to be careful now which tweets he favorites because everybody's going to read into everything. But, you know, I, I do wonder, like, how many teams now that, you know, the quarter mark is, okay, we've had a look under the hood. We know what we have. We know where we are. We know what the math tells us. You know, how many teams now decide to say, you know what, we're in on Connor Bedard. We're in on Adam Fintilli. We're not in on the playoffs. I, I think, like, I think there's a few. It becomes necessary, right? The math is just your opponent. Um, I think Ottawa obviously would have loved to have been playing more meaningful games, but you have to look at what's in front of you and say, okay, this is our path now. I think Columbus would have hoped that their season would have gone a little bit better, but, um, you know, there's nothing wrong with, with trying to add this piece. Like, like I said this about Vancouver weeks ago, Jeff, that I, I think they should be giving long thought to you know what? We have good young players here. Let's add another one to it and kind of reset for next season. You know, some, like, it, it's like, I know I say this all the time, but you plan, God laughs. So how are you going to adapt to it? How are you going to adapt to your new reality? And uh, for some of these teams, like the, the new reality is that you're, you're not where you want to be Look, like I published in my notes yesterday, my November 1st stat. If you're four points out since in the cap era in an 82-game season, if you're four points out on November 1st after those games, nine of 62 teams have made the playoffs. Now, there's four this year. It's Ottawa, Columbus, um, Vancouver, and St. Louis, which is going to give a good run at this. They're already in the second wildcard position in the West, but... You know, nobody likes it. Nobody likes being at this point unless you've planned for it. But um, I, I look at this and I say, this is unfortunately where reality has landed you and you have to adapt. To it. And, you know, the one thing I was going to ask you is, do you think Bedard gets traded out of Regina? That is a great question. So here's where I sit on that. Um, Regina is a sub-500 team. 
Um, a lot of fans, you know, when I talked last week about on Hockey Night, when I talked about Connor Bedard and, you know, selling out buildings, you know, 8,000 in Saskatoon and Vancouver and Victoria are sold out, Kamloops, Kelowna, the pair in Winnipeg, etc. It's, it's packed buildings everywhere you go. You know, I got a lot of notes from Regina Pats fans saying, well, we would be the same here if they didn't jack up the prices with Connor Bedard. And it does seem as if... Even though the Regina Pats as a team, you know, I, I don't think are going to really do much um, at all this season. It's going to be the Connor Bedard showcase. I don't get the sense that they want to trade him. I think that they want to try to sell as many tickets as possible. And I think to the, uh, to the new owners, or relatively new owners, um, the thought of Connor Bedard getting drafted first overall, wearing a Regina Pats jersey... Um, is really attractive to them. Even though, if you do trade him, I mean, you can command the king's ransom of all king's ransom. Like you could trade, you could get so many draft picks, right? Like right now, they could be trade in a in a package for Connor Bedard. You could realistically probably be trading an eight year old right now. Like that's how many picks you know down the road you'll have to surrender to Regina. Should they trade Connor Bedard? Uh, I know that John Paddock was asked about it, and he, yeah, he said like, something to the effect of this, this, yeah, forget it. And why we, we only get these questions in BC when we're in BC? Uh, I don't think they have the appetite for it. Should they do it? That's a whole other question. And I think that's where sometimes, and we see this play itself out in, in a number of ways in not just junior hockey, but in the NHL as well. You know, the um, the business ops is not always in sync with the hockey ops. Like, the yeah. hockey ops decision on this one says, trade them. The business ops side of the organization says, not a chance. Not a chance you trade Connor Bedard. That's what John I Paddock, another victim of Canucks Twitter. <laughs> uh, absolutely. Hey, listen, while we're talking about, um, you know, prospects, prospects coming from uh, from out west, there is, I'll tell you, man, I love Martin St. Louis. I, I really do. I think you're on the same page. Yeah, I love him as a player. Really love him as a yeah. coach. Love his love his approach. Love the way he thinks. Like like all of it. And Montreal plays Chicago today. So this is like a, a glorious full day bath of hockey. So um, Martin or Martin St. Louis, um, when discussing Kirby Doc says, and this is like I'm, I'm gonna I'll read you the quote, and I'm gonna tell you why this isn't new. Um, this is Marty San Louis on Kirby Doc. If you give up on a player who's 21 years old, whether that's in hockey or whatever, I think you haven't shown a lot of patience and you maybe don't have the big picture in mind or much of a growth mindset. Now you said this mm-hmm. recently. Uh, when you're 21, you're still so young. Kirby was a third overall pick in the NHL only three years ago. You know, when I read that quote, and again, like that's not new. Like that's, you know, Marty mm-hmm. said this not too long ago, but it's not, it's not brand spanking new. The first person I thought of was Sam Pollock, mm-hmm. one of the greatest general managers the NHL ever saw, you know, architect of you know, one of the Montreal Canadiens dynasties. And Pollock would always say, don't trade a young player until you're 100% certain. If you're 99% certain, don't. Don't do mm-hmm. it. Only do it if you're 100% certain. And I see Marty St. Louis quotes about Kirby Doc, and Doc's been... Like, look, he's flat out bluntly. He's just been fantastic for the Montreal Canadiens so far yep. this season. Looks great. Looks great for Doc. Um, and I, I think of Sam Pollock, who's just said, you know, don't quit. And I think historically, there are a lot of organizations that have a, have had a hard time 
um, handling kids, handling young players. They want them to behave as if they're in their late 20s and early 30s when the reality mm-hmm. is they're still kids. You know, it was really awkward. I think of, you know, Tyler Sagan with the, with the Boston Bruins, and Boston had a really hard time handling Sagan when he was really young. Um, I thought of Pollock when I, when I heard that quote, and that is, you know, don't give up on kids when they are mm-hmm. that young. Like, that's more about the organization most times, Elliot, than the kid himself. Do you have a thought on, on that feeling and what Marty St. Louis recently said about Kirby Doc? Generally, I agree with you, Jeff, and I agree with him. Uh, I always worry about, like, like, what I just try to do is, is just walk myself in those shoes. Like, I was such an idiot at that age, like, in a lot of different ways. I wasn't, uh, uh, I wasn't mature, like, I didn't make good decisions. Um, and, uh, like, I, maybe it would have been different if I was an elite-level athlete or, or hockey player. Maybe I would have had better teaching. And, and I don't, I don't mm-hmm. solely blame it on teaching. I, I blame it a lot on myself, but... I, I, maybe I would have had access to better ideas of how to handle myself, or I would have been in situations where I was in the public and I would have had to learn to handle myself better. Um, but so generally, I do agree with that. I, I, but, you know, the one thing I will say in, in this particular case is, um, you know, I, I did a lot of work into last year as to, as to why, you know, things between Doc and, and the Blackhawks were going south. And, like, I, I think, unfortunately, everything that the Blackhawks uh, went through as an organization affected some people who had nothing to do with it. And, um, you know, I, I think it was just a really hard year. I think they wanted to kind of start over again as much as they could. Um, you know, I, I, I think that that said, we, you know, we, we have to basically begin again. And I think one of the reasons that Doc was treated was because they could get a first rounder for him. And I also think sometimes it's a good shock to your system he was drafted third overall. He was a very talented kid. And, you know, it, all of a sudden you get traded and you sit there and you say, oh, boy, like, I got traded. Like, what does that mean for me? And sometimes if you channel the energy positively, you can use it to fuel yourself. But I'm sure there's, uh, like, a lot in him that says this organization gave up on me and I'm going to, um, you know, I'm going to prove them wrong. But I have to learn how to channel that energy in the proper way to prove them wrong. Like, it's pretty clear San Luis a player's coach. And there's going to be a lot of, if you don't work here, it's going to be on you. And, like, so Doc probably looks at this and says, here's a guy I can thrive under and get a fresh start under, and I'm going to make it work. So I generally agree with, Mm -hmm. with your theory, Jeff. But I, I think that Chicago was in a position where it wanted to start over and it was going to move as much as it could that it could get them the pieces to start over. And Doc was one of those pieces. You know what I think, Elliot? Uh, I'll, I'll just yeah. be blunt about it. I think Kirby Doc went to the perfect coach for him. Because yeah, when I we agree. talk about players that have gone through adversity and gone through situations where they've been rejected or you know don't feel wanted, I mean, that's the Marty St. Louis story. You know, undrafted, always told he was too small, will never succeed. You know, I remember I remember talking to Rick Vive when he coached him in the American Hockey League. Loaded with skill, yeah, but I don't know if this guy's ever going to play in the NHL. And one of the best players of his generation um, he turned into. It was, I mean, his is a story of overcoming adversity, and not just physically, but mentally as well. Like, to me, Marty St. Louis is just like cementing this 
really impressive and progressive resume in his career. That's just, you know, a flat out delight to watch. Um, so that's one of 13 today, the Montreal Canadiens and the Chicago Blackhawks. That one gets underway in about an hour and a half. Uh, in the meantime, we're going to break away at 125 Eastern here on the show, Elliot. Maple Leafs in the Minnesota Wild. Uh, yep. Marc-Andre Fleury activated. Uh, it'll be Fleury versus Murray. And for the Toronto Maple Leafs, I don't know if this is a dated reference anymore. I'm so old, I don't even know what's dated anymore. But the Maple Leafs yeah. blue line is like spinal spinal tap drummers. I'm assuming most people have seen the movie, but I don't know. Um, so Jordy Ben joins, you know, Morgan Riley, Jake Muzzin, TJ Brody, uh, all injured on the back end for each. Yeah, it's uh, and and that's why I think you know, even though New Jersey carried the play a lot of that game on on Wednesday. I thought it was such an impressive Toronto victory because the Devils, A, are so good, and B, you know, Toronto was really banged up, like really banged up, obviously, on the blue line. And I thought, mm-hmm. you know, like, for example, the goal that Marner created where he, where he battled two guys in the corner and got the puck, like that's the effort you need. Your best players have to be phenomenal uh, right now in order for you to win games. And, you know, they, they, it's going to be like this for Toronto until at least Brody comes back in the shorter term. Like, it's, it has to be next man up. Like, one, one player's injury is another player's opportunity, and that's the only way that you can look at it. Like, Jeff, nobody's going to feel sorry for you. Nobody's going to feel sorry for you. Oh, yeah. You know, it, like, like, it's funny today. We, we, we dropped the podcast and we were talking about those three disallowed goals. Uh, in uh, in the uh, Toronto Devils game, and and you and you agreed with all the calls, and I pretty much did. I, I thought the only one that had any kind of area for interpretation was the second one. And like, uh, and and someone sends me a text like, "You only agree with them because they all benefited Toronto." It's like everybody hates the Leafs, like they and they hate the Leafs, and they hate anybody who shows any kind of perceived bias towards them. So. Nobody's going to feel sorry yeah. for you, and you have to look at it like it's an opportunity for someone to step up. Like it's Ben, it's it's Hollowell, it's it's Timmins. Eventually, like everybody here is going to have an opportunity to prove that they do or do not belong. Do or do not belong. That's a that's an interesting way that gets us to our next topic, and that's Shane Wright. Um, Shane Wright scored a pair of goals yesterday for Coachella Valley. They played AHL Calgary. That's three goals in two games in the American Hockey League for Shane Wright. Um, you know, the difficult thing for Wright with the Seattle Kraken is, you know, they're winning games. And as much as I talk about how, you know, I've underreported Detroit, or probably underreported Seattle as well, yeah. uh, who are second in the Pacific, trailing the uh, the Vegas Golden Knights. Uh, I know it's only a pair of games in the American Hockey League, but there are just some players that you that you, we've, we've looked at and have said, okay, he's probably already outgrown this league as well. <laughs> but he's trapped in this impossible spot right now. Like Shane yep. Wright is in the trickiest of, of, of all spots. You know, there's, there's this sort of sort of Damocles hold, hanging over his head about, you know, going back to junior hockey and what would that entail. He's got this two-week conditioning stint in the American Hockey League. He's got to go back on the 4th of December, World Junior Camp. I mean, you'd have to report on the 8th. Camp would begin on the 9th. And he's gone down to the American Hockey League, and he's done exactly what Seattle wants. He's playing the minutes, and he's producing three goals yep. in two games. 
I don't know what more of a, a conversation we can have about Shane Wright, but you know, do you have a thought on 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 what we're seeing? I thought, you know, to be honest with you, I I wondered if he would go to the American Hockey League and be rusty, because all he's really done is practiced. He had the one game where he had, you know, the twelve minutes where Jared McCann was injured, but I thought he'd go down there and have to find his game. But right away, Shane Wright just started producing for each. Well, I think that's the thing that I'm I'm happiest for him is that he has some success, right? That that yeah. he's in a situation where he's he's been successful, and and that's kind of what the kid needs. Like, like that that's the whole thing. Like, I, I really hate like you just talked about being patient with young kids. I mean, how many people are looking at you know Shane Wright's first uh, 15 games in the in the NHL, and, and you look at people going on social media and they're like bust like that is such a joke like that is such an absolute joke like this kid he's got a a lot of time to show he's going to be a player and it really worked out for him that i think that he got ron francis as a gm i think that's really going to help him and i'm happy to see him have some success look like i think we all look at this and say this kid should be allowed to play in a perfect world in a perfect world this kid would be allowed to play in the AHL. But, Jeff, and again, I always defer to you on the, on the junior hockey stories over me. You've got much more knowledge and much more of a base there than I do. We've been debating this for years. Like, since, yep. since, since Moses came down from the mountain with the commandments, we have been debating <laughs> this whole thing, okay? And it never they considered changes. On, they- they considered on making the uh, the CHL NHL agreement uh, the eleventh commandment, but it got the 11th scrubbed commandment. at the end. Yes. It did. It did. It didn't make it into the top ten. For for yeah, just though those shall not kill. Those shall be allowed to go to the AHL. Like just a little bit of a difference. Night, night, yeah, nineteen. <laughs> but anyway, American League. <laughs> but the thing is, like they they've been debating this for like a hundred years, right? And it never oh, changes, yeah. and because. They know, the NHL knows that still, right now, it's number one avenue to the NHL is through the Canadian Hockey League, okay? It's still the place that develops mm-hmm. the most players. And so the way I look at that is like, they have proven, you know, maybe it'll change. Maybe someday they'll surprise and change. You tell me, but right now the evidence says they know it's too golden it. a goose to do it. Yes. Yes. The the only I think you can make a philosophical argument about one type of player specifically and that is players and Shane Wright fits this category perfectly which is why he's such an interesting case. Um what the CHL does allow and we saw it in the OHL last year with Michael Misa is for players to enter one year early and uh and be granted what they refer to as exceptional status. So they, they allow players in early. They allow you know, a sort of bending of the rules to get an exceptional player in. Philosophically, then, should they have a problem allowing someone who's been granted exceptional status to leave a year early? You know, I, I, think, I think these are all... Like I, th- I think these are all great conversations. I, I really do. Like, like, like that's... To me, that's an interesting idea. I know that when Max Domi was a coyote, Don Maloney had a big argument at a GM meeting that Max Domi should not have to go back to the OHL for a fourth season. Like that was, I, I, I was told that was his proposal, that 
three seasons, then go. So there's all these debates all the time, right, Jeff? Like, sometimes people come, like, I think that's a really good idea. I think Maloney's idea was a really good idea. This is twice in two days that I think you've come up with ideas that are not insane. I don't know what's happening in the world right now. But but on the back, wow. But the thing is, right now it's a no, and you know better than me. Is this ever going to change? Sure doesn't look like it. I can't see it. I, I, I really can't. You know, the, the minute you said we know Shane Wright belongs in the American Hockey League, I, I can just hear, you know, every every junior hockey operator screaming at you through their radios or through their television sets or their tablets or wherever they're watching or listening to this broadcast right now because that one, I mean, listen, we know what the, uh, the CHL wants, whether it's the Western Hockey League, the OHL, the Q. They want elite 19-year-olds. Yeah. Right? Like, let's just face they it. Sell tickets. They sell tickets. Like, want look, you were just talking about... Sells tickets. You were just Bedard. You were just talking about Connor Bedard. Like you know, like there, there is like I don't know. As you said, they're not a good team. Like the smart thing to do no. is is trade them, but they don't seem inclined to do that, according to you, and according to John Paddock's nope, own comments. They, yeah, he was. Uh, <laughs> I, I don't think he wanted any part of that conversation. To be honest, I don't think John Paddock wanted any part of that talk. <laughs> um, you know, and to, to the to the previous point, of, and I always point to one player specifically. Uh, and we'll end on this. Whenever I hear fans, observers, whomever, talking about a player early in their career and refer to them as a bust based on where they're drafted, I always I always point to Joe Thornton. Elliot, you remember Joe Thornton's rookie season with the Boston Bruins. Yep. Right? So what did he do, it play like eight less, minutes or something like that? Yeah, less than spectacular. Uh, yeah. Last time I checked, Joe Thornton's going to the Hockey Hall of Fame, Elliot. Yep. Yep. Everyone was yelling, screaming, either screaming, send him back to junior or, you know, this guy's a bust and he doesn't belong in this league. Uh, you don't make up your mind that early about a kid. Uh, okay, yeah, enjoy your rainy walk, and we will uh, we'll check you out on the Magic Eyeball on Hockey Night tomorrow. All right, buddy. See you tomorrow night. There he is, Elliot Friedman from 32 Thoughts and Hockey Night in Canada.